As part of our journey in learning how to live our legacy, we also go back into the past and we must know our past so that we can understand how we can live in the present and what type of lives and legacies we can leave behind for future generations, inshallah. Today's topic is for brothers and sisters of all ages. So whether you're a student, a caregiver, a parent, a teacher, and just part of a community, this is a topic that we can all benefit from as we go back into history, uh, as we honor the history, remind ourselves of our history, and then step forward back into the present and take those lessons with us into the future, insha'Allah. Our guest today is a madrasa teacher, youth advisor, and public speaker. In 2022, she held some amazing workshops and programs for children about Salah with a unique perspective to it. We're grateful and very happy to have her join us today, and we'll also be finding out what she will be offering this year to her communities, both locally or online for international audiences. We'll find out more about that, inshallah. But today, our guest takes us through with life lessons from Asma binti Abu Bakr, radiyallahu anha. Our guest today, Farhana Haturani, assalamu alaikum, and welcome to Radio Islam. Waalaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakumullah khair for having me once again on your show, Apa. Ameen, Ameen. Always such a pleasure. We're always learning with you. And you're always bringing Islam alive for us. And I think that's one of the highlights of having you with us. One of the many highlights is that you bring alive our history. And I think that's thing we are all looking for. No matter our age, youth, elderly, uh, no matter our, our level of understanding or learning of Dean or application, we can all do with that that injection, you know, to, to, to really that boost to bring Islam alive. Uh, so just I mean I always tell everyone that um no matter how much we study, no matter how much we learn, no matter what our degrees are, no matter what our course of path is, even in this in even with us as uh you know, educators in, in the field of uh, Dini education. Every day is a learning experience. There's always something or the other that we've never knew about. A hadith we never knew, and translation of an ayat we never knew, a story of, uh, of Nabi Islam that we never knew. So we're all learning every day. Alhamdulillah for that. Alhamdulillah. And that's such such a healthy perspective and a mindset to have because it's so easy for us to be uh, swallowed up with, with pride or arrogance, uh, both as learners, as teachers, you know, that, but I, I know enough or I know so much. And we hear so, we hear statements of like that coming up so often because we're noticing in recent years there's such a proliferation of information, whether it's online or classes. You know, we, we are spoiled for choice, but that those choices we have, that ni'mah of having access to Islamic knowledge should not be um, putting us in a place where we feel uh, we know enough, you know. So, yeah, okay. very grateful to have that reminder from you. Jazakumullah. Um, so, if we can ask you to take us back to the basics and lay for us a foundation, we have... 
uh, listeners across different backgrounds uh, and different levels of Islamic knowledge. Some of our listeners are Muslim, some are considering coming to Islam, some are new Muslims. So if you could share with us, please, Walima, a brief introduction on Asma binti Abu Bakr. For example, who was she, a bit about her background, any information you feel is important for us to familiarize ourselves with her, please. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. As, um, Asma bint Abu Bakr radiallahu anha was um, one of the most uh, prominent Sahabias in the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who also happened to be the half-sister of uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa third wife Aisha radiallahu anha who also uh, was the daughter of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's best friend Abu Bakr radiallahu anha. So already her, her lineage, her background, her family is already significant enough uh, from that alone that her sister was married, the greatest man to have walked this earth. Her father was uh, the best friend and companion of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And she herself embarked on her own path. Um, having uh, these people as her support structure and her support system, and um, her mother was uh, her mother's name was Qutayla bin Abdul Azza. Her mother unfortunately did not embrace Islam, and as a result, uh, Bakr divorced her. So her mother was not a Muslim. Um, however, um, with Asma bin Abu Bakr, she ended up being one of the first Muslimas to have entered the. Uh, fold of Islam and according to um, history and according to uh, <coughs> what has been noted some say she was the 10th woman to have entered the fold of Islam say some say the 17th woman and she was very young when she accepted Islam and she accepted Islam at the hands of none other than her own father Abu Bakr and um, I think it was 10 or 11 years old when she accepted uh, Islam so and that alone should give you a history of her, her, her tenacity and uh, her willingness to to follow her father's footsteps, as well as that of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how much devotion and dedication she had towards Haq. Um, she went on to then marry a man by the name of Hazrat Zubair ibn al-Awwam. Um, they both had eight children in total, two of which um, continued uh, to have a legacy of their own. Uh, one was Urwa bint uh, uh, Ibn, uh, Ibn Zubair and the other Abdullah Ibn uh, Zubair. And if you go into their own history, and I don't want to confuse the listeners too much here, yeah? if you go into their own history, they ended up being um, prominent muhaddith also. And um, Abdullah Ibn uh, Zubair ended up being a Khalifa of Mecca. Uh, long after the demise of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who also died, who also passed away a shaheed, uh, which will probably um, re- reiterate uh, further on into this interview. And um, he grew up very closely with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha. So he learned very, he learned a lot from Aisha radiallahu anha. So he ended up um, narrating a lot of the hadith. So, uh, Asma bin uh, Abu Bakr bore two very prominent Sahabis as well. 
And these were her two sons amongst the eight children that she's had. Uh, she played a significant role in the Hijra, the first migration, actually the second migration. The first migration was that which, uh, which Nabi Sassalam didn't take, but the first migration was from Makkah to Abyssinia. The second migration was when Nabi Sallallahu had to leave Makkah to, to for Medina. And she was given the task of uh, handling um, food being taken to her father and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam while they were hiding in the cave of food away from the enemies of Islam. And um, it was a special title that was given to her upon that particular incident because she used to carry, uh, some narrations say that she used to carry two scarves around her waist, some say two belts. And uh, the title that was afforded her was that of Dhatun Natiqain, uh, the carry of two ropes, two, uh, two belts, two scarves. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi told her that in Jannah, she will be known as the carrier of two belts as well. So she may have not have been noted as part of the Ashram of Bashara, the people who were given glad tidings of Jannah, but she was also given glad tidings of Jannah by Nabi Sallallahu in her lifetime already. So that was one of her uh, most significant uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, aspects that we can remember about Asma bin Abu Bakr. And we'll find out other things about her as we continue, inshallah. Inshallah. Wow, subhanAllah. Just hearing you say this is like, there it gives goosebumps thinking of what a great woman of Islam she was, subhanAllah. And I, I think very often an injustice that we do when we bring up our children teaching our daughters and focusing on her personality with our daughters only, but not with our sons. And I think that's a conversation we need to start having in our homes, in our madrasas, but especially in our homes where we're teaching our children about these great women of Islam, our daughters, but what about our sons? Do they know who these great women of Islam are? And I think that's something we all need to reflect on. You mentioned her tenacity. I'd like to pick up on that from there, please. Tell us through the seerah, what is it that we learn of Asma radiallahu anha's personality? Uh, you know, um, I think I've done this before with a, uh, with a previous sahabia where we spoke about them. And, you know, it's a, it's a unanimous thing with a lot of them, their tenacity, their courage, their bravery. Um, and if you go into... Um, some of the incidents that have been noted about her, one in particular where after she had been a Muslim and her mom had come, uh, her, her mother had come to visit her and she did not allow her mother to enter her home and she said, just wait, I need to do something. And she ran to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she asked, uh, I need to seek permission from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to ask him whether or not uh, am I allowed to entertain my mother because she's not a Muslim? And uh, and then that's just one uh, aspect about her, you know, where she wasn't, she wasn't afraid to stand up for, for her. And if she was unsure, she didn't, she, she just never, she, she wasn't afraid to ask Nabi Salaam about things that she was unsure about. And her first and foremost uh, focus about anything that she's done was how is it going to reflect upon her deen? How is it going to reflect upon her being a Muslim? Um, so that was her first and foremost 
focus in everything that she that she embarked on uh, throughout her journey, throughout her life. Um, another thing when we talk about her tenacity was, you know, like we've already uh, spoke about her, my, the migration. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi and Abu Bakr left Mecca and uh, information was given to, um, I think it was Abu, Abu, Abu Jahal at that time. And he was notorious. He was notorious at that time for killing numerous, numerous Muslims. And we know that it was during that time that the Muslims were going through some um, unspoken of persecutions and atrocities that uh, that was actually forcing them to leave their beloved city of Mecca. And uh, so he was known as a tyrant. And so it was given, he was given information that uh, Abaka's daughter, Asma, knows exactly where her father and Muhammad is, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so Abu Jahl went straight to her. And at that time, she was already married and she was, she was heavily pregnant as well. And he knocked on her door and stood before her. And I just want our listeners to picture this because Abu, Abu Jahl was a warrior, was a skilled warrior. He was big, he was tall, and he stood before her ready. And he and he was already on that mission of killing whoever he could, uh, and that was his mission to kill as many Muslims as he as he, as he could. And he wanted to kill Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he wanted to kill Abu Bakr. And his intention of going there to Asma for information was if, if he didn't like it, he would have done the same thing to her. She stood before him and he demanded that he get information. And she stood there and she said, I do not know where they are. And even if I knew where they are, I would not tell you where they are. And she stood there and she did not divulge the information of where they are. That is her bravery. And upon not giving that information, um, he slapped her so hard. Uh, on some narrations, it says that her earring fell and broke. And in some narrations, it says that her her chain broke. That is how hard he slapped her. And she stood back up and she faced him again. And she said, you can do that against me. You will still not get information from me about where my father and where Muhammad is. And Abu Jahal saw the bravery in her eyes and saw that she was not going to do anything. And he just turned away and he walked away from her. That was another incident of her bravery. And the other one was um, when she was in her old age at about 100 years old. And she loved, subhanAllah, to love 100 years old. And her son was by then the Khalifa of Mecca. And he came to her and there was, an, um, there was a siege upon Mecca, I think. And uh, he came to her and he said, Mother, I fear for my life. And I don't know how to face, um, I think his name was Hijaj. Uh, that time, that was the siege, that, that, that was the man that uh, had ordered the, the siege upon Mecca. And she told him that it is better for you to to die a warrior than for you to die a coward inside of your home hiding. So go and face whoever it is that you need to face. And um, by then she was already blind. And this is still the bravery that she had and held within her. And it is also known that she fought in the battle of, um, I think it was Yarmouk, when she saw that the Muslims were waning, the men, 
were tired and she gathered a few women and and a sword and she fought on and she helped in the battle of Yarmouk to fight non-believers and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. So that was her tenacity, that was her bravery that we speak mm-hmm. about when we speak of Asma bin Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Allahu Akbar. There are such personalities and that we appreciate each of them having different strengths um, and that that's what makes them so relatable to us that um, we can find parts of what they have in their personalities that mirrors um, either our aspirations or parts of our own selves that we have buried, that we have hidden, uh, maybe as a result of our own weakness, maybe as a result of our own insecurity, or maybe as a result of society that says, you can't be strong, you yeah. can't be assertive, right? I, I always say, you know, if we go into our history of our the, our women in the history of Islam, they were not brave women just because they were brave women. Look at the men that lived amongst them. How brave were these men? They have sacrificed. I mean, these, these were the most masculine men that you could have ever come across. These were the most, these, these men, I mean, um, I mean, you, you, you know, they, they, if they saw women, they, they embodied bravery, they embodied chivalry, um, they embodied uh, a community in terms of, you know, uh, uh, if they knew, uh, you know, if, if, if a man knew there was a woman who was divorced or a widowed and she was struggling with her, with her, with her children, they would embark by either, you know, marrying her or sending help. But these were the men, right, in the times of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and they lived according to the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? These are the men. And these women lived amongst these men. These women just weren't this way because they were this way. They were this way because the men around them enabled them to be this way. Unfortunately, we are now living in a society and we see this continuously and sometimes I'm so mind boggled by what we are seeing online and by what we are seeing. We are seeing such fragile men that everything that woman that a woman does, it sort of it sort of threatens the masculinity of men. And you think, why are men so threatened by women coming forth, you know, uh, and being assertive in certain roles? If they see a single mother men are threatened by it. If they see a divorced woman, men are threatened by it. Back in those days, men were not threatened by these things. If a woman, I mean, I mean, if back in those days, uh, they saw Asma bin Abu Bakr taking the sword and, and fighting in the battle, and for them that was admirable. Today, if, if a man had to see this, like, no, you, you're too masculine. <laughs> you're too masculine. Huh. We, we don't need women like that. You, 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 you need to be in the kitchen. What, mm-hmm. what are you doing? So, it's so we are, we are, we are, we, we really die times. So it's like, women had that bravery because, alhamdulillah, they were surrounded by such brave, wonderful men as well. Um, so they, you know, it was it, it, it just corresponded well. These days, we're just suffering because it's all. It's just. 
sadly, you know, it's it's both both parties. We just don't know how to complement each other the way we need to be complementing each other in our respective roles. Absolutely. We're fighting too much. Yeah, absolutely. It's was taking that responsibility and choosing to uh, to really start asking ourselves those important questions. Um, you know, how are we honouring ourselves and others? Uh, or have we, are we just still very much stuck in the ruts of this um, non-Islamic um, principle of this power struggle? And we're so involved in that power struggle that between men and women that does not lend to anything Islamic that we've taken away from being able to live lives that are dynamic and that are in Allah's obedience completely or even where, whether as men or women, we've denied ourselves that ability to, to live lives that are wholesome and spiritually fulfilling simply because we're living by principle that's so alien to us as Muslims. Yeah, absolutely. Life lessons. Ah, Asma binti Abu Bakr. Where do we start with her? So, where, what what would you say are some of the key life lessons? And then taking it a step further, how do we now start applying that in our lives today? Um, you know, like I've said, um, with all of the women that we've, with most of the women in the history of Islam that have made history that uh, have stood out. Um, this sense of courage, resilience, emotional resilience, um, uh, and, and tenacity, bravery, as well as um, knowledge. These women were oceans of knowledge. And when it comes to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, if you look at his daughters, um, he made them scholars. Both Aisha radiallahu as well as Asma bint Abu Bakr. They were scholars of deen. When they got to Medina and where they were, where they were free to, you know, learn the deen and all of that, Abu Bakr made sure that Aisha as well as Asma sat in these gatherings and learned deen. And they became scholars. And as a result, a lot of Sahaba men used to go to Aisha radiallahu anha as well as Asma bint Abu Bakr and gain knowledge from them. So for me, the life lesson uh, from Asma bint Abu Bakr is, is more so a life lesson from the way Abu Bakr radiallahu anha raised his daughters. And he didn't raise them sheltered. He never raised them to be, um, you know, a woman who, who needed to stay backward. He he said, go out there, get the knowledge and go and live purposefully. And when he when he and and, and, and they lived purposefully, um they didn't say we needed to be like men. They went on and uh spread the deen because this was the aim, this was the mission, this this is what needed to be done, uh, what needed to be done at that time. Um, this is still the mission till this day. Uh, so, you know, this is what they, they embarked on. And, and Asma bin Bakr, she made it her, her mission then to, because, um, you know, Aisha Rigalan was married to be Salaam, so she used to spend a lot of time with, uh, with Aisha. Like, give me knowledge. Give me as much knowledge as you, as you possibly can so that I can go out and teach. So both Aisha as well as Asma were, were scholars and they would, 
and they went on to impart knowledge. So for me, that's uh, for me that like resonates personally for me. Like that's a legacy that they left. That's like my legacy. Like I don't know if I'm <laughs> making sense. Like for me personally, that's the legacy that they've left for me. That's the legacy that I'd like to continue leaving for my own children as well, um, because they um, they did so much to bring what they could to us. Um, if you look into the history of, again, Islam, um, they are the ones who brought uh, so much hadith as well as fiqh jurisprudence uh, to us. So you have uh, with our fiqh uh, things like our hadith, our hajj, uh, in terms of what women can do and cannot do on hajj. Uh, I think it was also in terms of ruqya, uh, there were some other aspects that uh, came with regards to our fit. I think I jotted it down here, but I don't know where it is. But there were a few things with regards to our fit that came directly from Asma bint Abu Bakr that we now have told us today. And that is because of what she has learned and what she has le- left for us as a legacy um, that we have told us today and we owe it to Asma bint Abu Bakr. So... What we can implement in our life, I think, as women, is that seek knowledge. Seek knowledge as much as you possibly can seek knowledge. If you are not imparting the dean to, uh, in, in a classroom or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We, I always say this, that, you know, men bring knowledge to the doorstep, but women are the, are the gateways to knowledge in their homes. We are the ones that implement, implement knowledge to our children because we bring it into our homes. So you may not have a classroom setting. But your children, your children deserve the knowledge from you. So go out and seek the knowledge and for your sake and for the sake of your children. And, you know, while you're driving, driving your children to school, you can give them that knowledge while you're sitting with them and reading a story. And instead of reading for them a Cinderella story, <laughs> read them and tell them these wonderful stories about our wonderful Islamic history, about the beautiful woman of bravery and courage that are much more, um, uh, you know, better than fables and that are not even true. Give them these rich stories that they can live by and embody in their own lives as as Muslims. So I feel that that is the lessons that we can learn and this is what we can implement in our lives as Muslims with regards to these wonderful stories that, you know, we bring to our listeners via these programs. Um, and it's so easy to gain this, gain this information, really. You can... It's it's really just a tick of a button, you know. How can I just? You just have to be make be sure that the source of information is verified, and you know it's 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 a uh, it's not just information that comes from. It must be verified information, reputable sources. Mm-hmm. And talking about that, the, the sources of information, are there any uh, resources you would recommend for our listeners, for adults or children that you think are, are useful, helpful for people to connect to the heroes of Islam? Yes, um, I know um, the Yaqeen Institute hosts a series of uh, stories on various uh, Sahabis that are uh, that that are spoken about in detail. There are such lovely stories to listen to, um, and I think that can be found on YouTube. 
So you just go Yaqeen uh, Institute and I think Sheikh uh, Dr. Omar, I think Suleiman does them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always Wikipedia, but I prefer, you know, engaging in a video uh, where our kids, and because now, you know, our children are visual learners. <laughs> We're living mm-hmm. in a digital age where reading, unfortunately, is becoming a bit of a of an age-old thing and it's becoming boring. But uh, if, if if your children still love reading and if they and if you're still encouraging reading, Alhamdulillah, there's lots of kitabs out there uh, that talk about the, the history of women, Islam. Uh, uh, I think there's one particular book that stands out that I remember reading and it's called uh, Women Against Oppression in Islam. I can't remember the author, but if you Google it, the, the, the book will come up. Uh, and uh, Asma bint Bakar and a few, many other Sahabia will come up in that book that you can read about. Uh, women that have defended Islam, that stood up for Islam. Uh, that's a lovely book to read. And um, and then you have uh, Islamic Find also has a lot of information with regards to Sahabas and Sahabias. And um, there's always YouTube that you can Google and source out information and stories that you can listen to while you are cooking while you are uh, laying in bed at night and that you can watch. Absolutely. There's, there's no excuse and no shortage of that information and it's really up to us to, to prioritize that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to Asma radiallahu anha and she inspires in so many ways, um, if you were to meet her one day in Jannah, inshallah, uh, what is it that you would acknowledge her for? What is it that you would want to say to her? Uh, perhaps what about her life inspired you or inspires you so much? Mm, like I said, emotional resilience. Something that has taken me very long to adapt and to inculcate in my own personal life, emotional resilience. And you know, if you go into, again, into the history of our Sahabias, they have seen really hard times, very difficult times. They've seen persecutions. They've seen their loved ones being martyred in the most brutal ways. Um, and if you look at uh, um, Asma bin Bakr, uh, like I said, when she was 100 years old, uh, she had to witness her son being uh, martyred in a very brutal way. And uh, yet she still managed to be brave even in that situation. She still managed to get up in that old age as an old woman and stand before her son's killer and demand her son's body and correct that man and, and, and humble that man. Um, and, 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 and still in that moment, tell him that you may think that you've, uh, that you've taken away from my son, but you've just elevated him in the year after. And for, for me, uh, that emotional resilience to stand strong, I, I would just want to sit with each one of these Sahabias and ask them, what it is that where did they draw that strength from from which place from what source what um what mental capacity emotional capacity where did they go to that 
gave that, that, that inner strength, that inner peace for them to just carry on and continue and continue and continue. You know, if it was us having experienced just a little bit of the inconveniences that they had experiences, we'd be, we'd be falling apart. We'd definitely be falling apart. Um, yet they didn't. They just continued and they just stayed strong. And I'm not saying that that is what we need to do. They definitely had hardships and they definitely cried and they definitely felt things and they definitely hurt uh, like every other human being. But, you know, they didn't allow it to uh, to derail them from the iman. They didn't allow it to derail them from the obedience of Allah. They didn't allow them. It didn't allow it from uh, to derail them from being there for their children, for their spouses. They still stood strong and continued to be the forces that they needed to be in their spaces uh, to make the impact that needed to, to, to that they needed to make for us to be here today for the greater good. For us to get the dean today, and for me, that's just admirable. I'd love to sit with the with them and just gain that insight. Allahu Akbar. Inshallah. Inshallah. You know, in, in always in hearing from you and learning from you, there's at least so much to ponder over uh, our roles, our responsibilities, both collective and individual, as we strive to take this legacy, to carry it forward, to live it. I think most importantly, to live it. Um, and, and with that, um, we always have new listeners joining us or coming back. And at the time this program is, we will, uh, you know, we will be as we are already now in the month of, 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 of Rajab and people are preparing their hearts for Ramadan. Um, on your front, on, uh, in terms of projects that you're doing, what do you have prepared that um, that our listeners could benefit from either online or in person? Do you have classes or courses happening before Ramadan? Um, I'm not sure if it's too early to ask that question. Or, or what's in store in 2023 for our listeners to benefit from you? Japarehana, mm. we're just trying to settle all our learners into Madrasa at the moment and find our footing. Um, so... No projects at the moment. However, I'm always busy in in youth programs. It's uh, that that just come up. Uh, there's always projects that I'm involved in. We I don't premeditate them and I don't pre-plan them like for the whole year. Unfortunately, I know I need to be a little bit more organised in that aspect. However, it doesn't work that way. Um, but I'm very involved in. Um, the mental and emotional upliftment of our our Muslim communities, particularly with uh, our Muslim women. So that is always being uh, done. I do have events that are continuously uh, happening and they will happen throughout the course of the year, inshallah, that will be updated on my social media profile and uh, those dates will be posted. The details will be posted. Right now, I don't have any details because uh, we don't have any events planned as yet. Not that we haven't, uh, but they are plans to have them. We just don't know when they're going to happen because Ramadan is so close. We need to focus on Ramadan first. Inshallah, after Ramadan, um, then the events will start, inshallah. And um, our Salah workshop, inshallah, will happen as well. Uh, last year, it only happened once a year. This year, we're hoping we can have it more than once a year, inshallah. 
Um, so that will happen in Sharat at least twice a year. My madrasa is is there. Uh, I teach Monday to Thursday. Uh, that's that's uh, located here in South Africa in Houghton, where I do grades four and upwards. Alhamdulillah, this year we have grade twelve. That have uh, eleven, so it has progressed from grade ten. Now we have a grade eleven, and. Um, Subhanallah. So it's that's that's there, and we're hoping that we can uh, inculcate more lessons. But it's all in the pipeline. You know, we're still planning, we're still hoping, we're still seeing how can we facilitate this that. But inshallah, everything will be updated on my social media media profile. Uh, for those who want to be updated, can follow me on social media up at Hannah Hats um, on my Instagram or my Facebook. Um, and there I do a lot of posting and I, you know, I do a lot of uh, uh, write-ups that one can read on that uh, focuses on our upliftment as a society, uh, as well as Islamic upliftment that people can keep updated with as well. Alhamdulillah. In terms of the, you mentioned uh, now offering madrasa classes for up to grade 11s, your grade 12s. So that would mean uh, students that are in high school, that are nearing their completion of high school can still have the opportunity to come to madrasa um, and still benefit from your mentorship and from your knowledge. Gee, gee. So uh, mm-hmm. we have, uh, uh, last year they were in grade uh, 10, but technically they were already in grade, uh, I think they were in grade 11 at school, but they were doing grade 10 kitabs, but now we don't, uh, it's, 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 it's a very, it's a the personalized syllabus of mine. So um, this year they are officially in grade 11 of my madrasa. And uh, gee, they, they, alhamdulillah, they still come and they still, they still learn from me. And I think I've made it a condition with their parents that they will continue learning right up until they're married. And as long as I am able to teach, they will continue learning, inshallah, uh, because this is a never-ending, never-ending journey of learning, especially with regards to Dean. We have to always continue learning. And those lessons, alhamdulillah, happen at night when they are able uh, to log in and uh, tap into lessons and uh, so it doesn't interfere with the, the classes during the day of the secular education. Fantastic. Alhamdulillah. Fantastic. MashaAllah. That is so good to know because most of our youth that are finishing school just don't have those opportunities. Um, in terms of registration, do you take uh, incoming new students throughout the year? Do you have a cutoff period? We have a cutoff period. Uh, unfortunately, for 2023, uh, we are we are booked. But uh, it doesn't stop anyone from inquiring because we have students, unfortunately, that for whatever reason they have to drop out, they cannot manage, or they find something that's a little bit more suitable, that's more you know less once a week or what for whatever reason. So sometimes there is space. However. I have to have a cut off because of the uh, amount of content, the amount of subjects that I have to teach. So I'm very limited with the amount of students that I'm able to take in. So at the moment for 2023, I'm fully booked, alhamdulillah. Um, but then again, it doesn't stop anyone who is interested from just reaching out. And if there is space, uh, we can gladly add you into the class. But if there isn't, then we'll, I'll keep them posted if there's uh, a vacancy available for the child. 
Fantastic. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Any of your closing words or remarks for us, Malima, as we come to a close today? Anything you'd like to leave our listeners with for today? Something to ponder or remind them about from today's topic? Um, you know, I just want to say to our listeners, especially to our... Um, I think this one, my message doesn't particularly go out to... Um, our women more than it would go out to our men folk that we really need them. We really need their support. We really need them to support us to be the woman that we need to be. Um, it, if you have daughters, please do not hold them back um, in terms of their education, in terms of their Dini education, especially Do not limit them. Um, especially with their Dini education. When you have uh, children, um, uh, you know, girls, I, and I've said this last year as well as my, in, my, in my jolts up, it is so important for us to have our high school girls, our high school students, more so when they reach their 13, 14, 15, going upwards, more so for them to hold tighter onto the ropes of Dean than what you would when they are in the primary uh, phases of life because it is so challenging. The conditions of our youth out there is so challenging. It is so confusing. The amount of information that is being uh, that uh, that they are being bombarded with is is it's, it's it's beyond it's beyond words. We were not facing that types of uh, those types of challenges when we were uh, when we were at school and when we were this when we were their age and. You know, it is it is now more so very important for children to attend Madrasa. It is more so important for your children to continue with lessons uh, at school. And I know and I understand that, you know, school is very challenging. It is very demanding. It is very difficult and all of that. But don't forsake Islamic education for anything. For as long as your child can uh, gain access to Islamic education in whichever way, even even if it is one thing, choose that option. It is better than nothing. For as long as they possibly can get that knowledge, allow them to get that knowledge. And for fathers to support their daughters, for husbands to support their wives, encourage your wives, encourage your women folk to to gain a better understanding. It is for your benefit. It is for the benefit of your children. Don't hold them back um, in that regard. And, you know, let us be proper support structures for each other. Let us stop fighting one another in terms of, you know, our relevance in society and this and that. And, uh, you know, men must do this and women must do this. Let us start understanding one another, supporting one another so that we can form um, beautiful support structures together for our children so that we can raise strong generations to come and not broken generations to come. Inshallah, such powerful, wise, dynamic words. And may we see those shifts in our communities, in our homes, very, very soon. Walima, you're such a gem. May Allah bless and preserve you. Uh, really blessed to have communities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant plenty of success to you, to all of us in Deen, Dunya, Akhirah. And to the Madrasa, be blessed, productive year for you, for your students. And growth from strength to strength, inshallah, ameen. 
Amin, Allahumma Amin, Jazakallah Khair uh, for all the beautiful du'as. May someone request the listeners to continue making du'a for us and may and and you as well, Ma'alima, continue making du'a for us, our madrasa, our endeavors. May Allah accept all our efforts. Uh, may it be, uh, you know, beneficial for us, uh, not only in this dunya, but in the akhirah as well and uh, and for generations to come, inshallah. Amin. Allahumma amin. Jazakumullahu khairan again for joining us, for teaching us, for enlightening us and bringing to our conscious awareness issues that our community, our ummah needs to work through and resolve. And how interesting that we can look back at history to make the changes for our present and future. Jazakumullahu khairan and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Today on the program, we were speaking to youth advisor, public speaker, and madrasa teacher, Walima Farhana Haturani, on the topic of the life lessons from Asma binti Abu Bakr radiallahu anha. And as we find ourselves in this first quarter of the year, our students, our teachers, our parents settling into the, the, the new academic year, some wise words and advices from Walima towards the end of the interview about the importance of madrasa and Islamic knowledge. That brings us to the close of another edition of the program. We look forward to having your company next week as we continue exploring our Islamic history and our legacy. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.